0: Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Um, I, uh, I, I have a, a reputation, maybe, maybe it's more reputation than it is reality, I don't know, but uh, of being kind of an optimistic, positive personality. Uh, my wife actually bought me a cup, a cup this week that says, you know, you know the phrase, haters gonna hate, you know that phrase? Uh, she bought me a cup that says, likers gonna like. And I think that describes me pretty well, I like it. Um, obviously, yeah, why, why wouldn't I, right? Um, so I, I want to give you a quick example of what I'm talking about. Like, and, and so it's, it's the type of personality that even takes uh, negative things and like, tries to, to just really dredge up the positive and the negative. Um, a while back, some of, uh, some of us uh, here at church had been invited to a wedding that was held on a riverboat uh, and that went down the Mississippi. And so we were at this wedding. We were kind of standing out on the, uh, the, the bow of the ship, I guess. And the conversation somehow turned to this topic of what uh, what would happen if the ship went down like and we had to throw somebody off <laughs> why i don't know but uh, and i'm sure i had probably been being annoying all morning or all, uh, all all and so there was one person in our party who was like well i know who i'd throw off right away and it would be you to me right and i'm like well i mean me patrick you know but because because of my personality immediately what i thought was Ah, it's because I'm a really good swimmer and I would be just fine if the ship went down. That's what you're saying, right? See there's there's a compliment in that insult. There's there's good inside of the negative. There's positive inside of the bad. And and that's kind of I think that there are a lot of things in life that are like that that we look at and and it's not it's not like there's there's a natural definite way of thinking about things that our personality just drastically reflects that. Now this is not Norman Vincent Peale. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is nothing like that because sometimes those, those that, that optimism can be unrealistic and that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about like taking a real problem and kind of like viewing it a little bit of a different way. So let me give you a church example uh, or a, a number of church examples. So f- for example um, if you've ever been at church and you see some kids running down the hallway right and you're like oh these kids shouldn't be running in the hallways, they're gonna knock over us old people, we're gonna break a hip or whatever, whatever the worry is. Right? And or or the entryway in our in our particular church. If you walk in that fellowship hall, it is perfectly acoustically designed to maximize the volume of shrill children. So if you've ever been in there and there's some kid that's just having a good time, somewhere they found like a ball and they're kicking it around, you know, and you're like, what is wrong with these parents? What is wrong with these kids, right? So you're sitting there feeling like, what is wrong with this upcoming generation? Now, that's true, but have you ever been to a church that didn't have kids? That's awful. It's the worst, right? It's nice and calm and quiet. No one's kicking soccer balls at your head, but it's, it's kind of a bummer. Right? If you have to pick between the two, I think I'd pick kids, right? Shrill kids. we got one amen, right? Kids are left and gone. The rest of you are like, I don't know. I think an adult-only church sounds pretty good about right now. Um, you know, sometimes we get complaints about like, things like our chairs, the chairs you're sitting in. They're getting, they're getting old and stained. People, for some reason, they get a cup of coffee and they're just, they become super clumsy and they stain the floor, stain the chairs. So we got chairs. Every once in a while, we'll have to pull a chair and we'll have to have a little retirement ceremony for it. It's very nice, very, very tasteful. But... Our, our chairs and we're losing chairs. Like we're losing chairs, so we get guests and we have to pull out these old nasty chairs, and people are like, "Oh man, you know what? What about all these chairs? Isn't it great that we're running out of chairs?" Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. I love it. I love it every week when I see somebody having to bring out a row of chairs. I'm like, woohoo! we got too many people for the room. And some people are like, no, it's too hot. It's too crowded. Some of you right now, you're going to start fanning yourselves. It's too hot in here. It's too hot. It's too crowded. Isn't it awesome? We got all these bodies generating body heat in here. This is great. This is great. Some of you are like, I couldn't find a parking spot this morning on my way in. And I know, you can't see the line, so people are just parking like it's anarchy out there. There's parking, however, we could fit 100 more cars and people would just park normally. It's anarchy. But aren't you glad you're at a church where it's difficult to find a parking spot? I had to park on the grass. I had to park on the snow. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. We need to fix those problems. But aren't you glad you're at a place that has those kinds of problems, right? Or how about this? You walk in a little bit late for church. And you're walking in and you're like, oh boy, there are no empty seats. Or Paul has everybody stand for the first 30 minutes of the service and you can't see an empty seat. And you're like, what do I do? Where do I sit? Oh, I see there's some empty seats in the front, but I don't want to sit near the front. Aren't you glad you're in a church that forces you to sit in the front because all the other seats are taken? Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. I think that's great. I love that. How about this? How about those of you that have been here a long time and there's that new face? That you don't know their name. But they've been here too long for you to stop and introduce yourself. Because they've, they've been coming like a decade now. And you still haven't really connected. And you see each other in the hallway. And it's the worst when they walk by and they look at you and they say your name. And you have to say, well, good morning to you too, buddy, pal. That's why, I think that's why in the New Testament they referred to each other as brother and sister. Paul just couldn't remember people's names. That's why they did that. Maybe you volunteered for uh, Kingdom Club one Sunday, and you walk back there, and there are 15 four- and five-year-old kids crammed into this room, and they have just been fed chocolate chip pancakes, and they are just wound up beyond measure. And you look at all those kids, and you're like, "Mm." and so you close the door, and you slowly back away. You get in your car, and you go home (laughs) like, I can't handle it. Isn't it great you're at a church that is just filled to the brim with little kids that, that it's just overwhelming to teach them? That's great. Those are great problems. Now, those are negatives, and the negatives need to be dealt with. But there are so many positives in that. Now, I, I want to I wanna talk a little bit about this morning, about this. When I, and I'm giving you a glimpse of like my, I guess, vision Uh, For the church, so to speak. Like when I start thinking about church, uh, there's, there's so much that this church has meant to me. Uh, and, and our family and I love that our focus is on discipleship and that we're going to continue that focus on discipleship I love that, I love that I can, I can be in a church where I know my children are going to be talked to about discipleship and the teachers are going uh, to have that as a topic and as a thought and we're trying to create and develop disciples for everybody, I love that I love the difference it's made in people's lives I love the fact that there's so many people that we've helped move by the way, man we have helped move people, we don't even know, somebody will be like I got a stranger and needs help moving and we got people who are like I'm there I'll be there by the way this is just a little aside this is a small church thing real quick but one of our families one of our elders Travis and Anna Edwards they are moving this pretty soon they have been at every single move you've ever had there should probably be about 500 people show up to help them move because even when Gregory, who's now, what, 13 or 12 or 13, when he was a little baby, as soon as he could walk, Travis had boxes in his hand, and he's what? Like, you're in. You're on the team now, buddy. So that's just a little, little aside. But I, I love the, the type of church we have. I love that we're pointing people to Jesus. And so we can definitely get focused on problems. There are problems, and they need to be dealt with realistically and seriously. And if we need a little bit of that, you know, that realistic, that's why we got Jordan. I got the positivity, unrealistic positivity, and Jordan's like, all right, here's the problems we need to, all right, let's focus on those. That's great. But listen, I am convinced that God intends to use this church to develop disciples. And not just us, but people outside. God, and this blows me away, this community has, is coming to us. We used to be out in the cornfields. We used to. T- I. We still sometimes tell people. Yeah, I go to. The- I told somebody yesterday. I'm a minister at the Woodbury Church of Christ, and they're like, "What is that? Where is that?" Well, I try to describe. You know, they have no clue. No clue. But God is bringing the community to us. There are developments being built all around us, and I believe that God is going to use this church to draw people to Himself. I believe that. I believe that. But that only really happens if we all start getting serious about. Sharing our faith by sharing our lives. That only really happens. My enthusiasm, enthusiasm can only get us so far, right? It only really happens if we all catch that vision. And I know when we talk about like, sharing our faith by sharing our lives, for a lot of people it brings, it dredges up fear and anxiety and confusion and sometimes just the feeling of being unprepared or ill-equipped. And so as we start this new year, as we kind of like dive into the deep end of believing that God is going to use this church to draw people to himself, we've got to understand that we play a role in that, and that is sharing our faith by sharing our lives. So we're going to do something a little different at the first part of this sermon this morning, Um, and we want to know what you are thinking as a church. We want to know what you are thinking when it comes to sharing your faith. And so what we've done here, I'm going to get some volunteers from the youth group. They don't know this yet, but I need five volunteers from the youth group. So first five people to come up. There's no incentive. There's nothing I'm going to give you. You just get a bigger mansion, right? That's all. So what we're going to do, um, there's two ways you can do this, but we need information from you. So the first way we're going to get this information I'm going to give you guys each one of these, and you can hand it out to a given section. Not yet, though. Not yet. Not yet. All right. And uh, if you guys happen to have the Woodbury app... You can do this on the app as well. If you don't have the app, you can download it. I have extras here if you guys need to come back and get some. You can download the app. If you have the app, navigate over here to these three lines. That's the menu. Click on that, and it'll bring up a next page that says assessment. And what we're trying to find out is where you are. And here's the deal. This this is totally anonymous, so you can be completely honest Right? You can say whatever you want. Total anonymity. So, what we're going to do, you guys, if you need a piece of paper, raise your hand. Oh, we have pens here, too. I don't want to forget those. Hand those out, too. Maybe we need a sixth of hand pens. Um, there you go. Rachel Starnes, everybody, taking the initiative. All right. So here's what I need you to do. You guys can start passing those out. If you need a little uh, a piece of paper, write it down. If you want to do it online, you can do that as well. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this, but we need to know exactly where people are when it comes to this idea of sharing their faith by sharing their lives. This is all skate, everybody. If you, this is your first Sunday here, we want to know, right? You don't have to write down this is my first Sunday, but we want to know. If you're a kid, we want to know. If you're, in a, you know, if you're like 120 years old and you're like, you know, I'm kind of past all this stuff, we still want to know that, right? Everybody fill this out. Um, and we want to know what you're thinking when it comes to sharing your faith by sharing your lives. So grab a piece of paper. We're going to walk through this really quick. And then we're going to try to give you a little encouragement in this area. A little encouragement in this area. Raise your hand if you need a piece of paper so these fine young folks can make sure that they get one to you. Some of you are like, there's no way I'm using an app for anything ever, ever in the world. We don't ask for your social security number. Don't worry. None of that. We got one right over here. Who's manning this section right here? Here we go. And then uh, I'll walk through these questions with you, and when you're done, you can kind of scoot them to the end. You can lay them face down. We're not going to do handwriting analysis if you say something mean, if you're like, oh, I don't like Patrick's shirt, whatever, do that. But, but we, won't even, we won't come to you uh, about this. We just want to know what people are thinking with regard to this topic. All right? You guys need some? You're good? Okay. Oh, you need some. All right, right up here, right up front, too. All right, we'll get organized here. We got this figured out. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Number Question number one. No, question number one. I believe that sharing my faith is a necessary part of being a disciple. Now, you may, you may know the right answer. You know what I mean? The right answer. You're in church. What's the right answer? You may know what is the right answer, but we want to hear what you really believe. So you may know that like, oh, okay, Patrick obviously wants me to answer it this way. That's not what I'm looking for. I want to know what you really believe. Do you really believe That you presenting the gospel to someone who is not familiar with Jesus is part of your Christian walk. Is part of your discipleship. If you do not believe that, mark no. If you do, mark yes. Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. True or false? Second question. This is a little tougher. (laughs) How many people did you share your faith with in 2017? Now, this is going to take a little guesswork. And a little definition, because some people might think, you know what, I share my faith. I wore my Woodbury Church of Christ t-shirt to the state fair. There's 80,000 people at the state fair carry the two. I shared my faith with almost, you know, whatever, however many people, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're not even just talking about inviting someone to church, although we want you to do that, we encourage you to do that. We're talking where you've sat down and you've had a substantive conversation about Jesus Christ with someone uh, for the purpose of drawing them closer to Christ. You maybe didn't rush them down to the river to get them baptized, and maybe the conversation ended with an invitation to come to church, but it's not just a passing thing. This is something where you've had some sort of substantial conversation with the intention of drawing someone closer to Christ. And you may have to guess. Listen, if it's zero that's fine. Put zero. No judgment here. This is not what this is about. We're not analyzing your handwriting. Number three, which of the following applies to you? And we've got a list of reasons that I think we think are pretty common. You can check as many as you want. There are things like, I don't have any non-Christian friends. How am I supposed to tell somebody about Jesus when I don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus? Um, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And some of us are like, yeah, that's not my thing. Uh, It's awkward. I don't have the time. I'm I'm busy. This one I think is pretty common. I am afraid of what people might think. This might ruin our relationship. Uh, I would feel like a hypocrite if someone knew. I've kind of not been super good. And if I told somebody, hey, also come to church, they're going to be like, whoa, hang on. Um, Some of you might feel like I just live out my faith in front of people. They're going to ask me. They'll figure it out. I don't have to tell them. Um, I don 't know how to bring up the topic. I don 't know how to share my faith. I need to be better equipped. So uh, mark as many of those as fit you, but not more than fit you because we want to know We want to know what the church needs and where the church is. And number four, how likely are you to share your faith with someone in the next three months? And again, we 're asking those intentional interactions. Like, obviously, I think all of us would, if somebody rushed up to us on the street and grabbed us by the shoulders and said, where do you go to church? Do you know Jesus? Sure, yes. But I'm talking about, we have people in mind, or we're intentional about this, or we've got some ideas, or we've got some plans. How likely are you to share your faith with someone in the next three months? One is very unlikely, ten is very likely. And at the bottom is a section for comments, if we've forgotten something, or if you want to add something, or if you just want to say, I would invite people, if Patrick would preach shorter sermons. That's totally fine. do, do that. I'm not going to preach shorter sermons, but do, go ahead and write that down. I, no laughs there. That's really disappointing. That is really disappointing. Yeah, everybody's like, "Oh, I, that's really my reason, so all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Acts uh, chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We're starting you can go back one slide for me, Matt, we're starting a new series this year, and it's called "Conspiracy of Grace." And uh, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 17, but here's the part. Now, we've been talking a little bit about, hey, you've got to share your faith, you've got to share your life. And I know that's anxious for some people. That's anxiety-inducing for some people. So I want to give you some encouragement. I want to give you a way of thinking about this that I believe could potentially transform your anxiety about that. A way of looking at something negative that actually can turn it into a positive. And I think this could be very exciting for us when we think about it. Acts chapter 17... Verse 21, Paul shows up, Paul the Apostle, he shows up in the city of Athens, and Athens was an intellectual city, it was an academic city. Uh, the Bible literally says in verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Pretty exciting, right? Oof, good times, Party. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. So they invited Paul to talk about his ideas. He was talking about some weird ideas. Who is this Jesus? It sounds like a yet another God in, this, in, this, uh, in this, this legion of gods that they had. Who is this Jesus? And he mentioned this thing called the resurrection, where people die, but then they come back to life. And this blew their minds. They're like, we want to hear more about this. We're not sure about this. These are some strange ideas. They didn't agree. But they wanted to hear more. And so in verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, people of Athens, these are all the intellectuals. These are all the people that think about new ideas and they just spend their time debating and talking about concepts. And he says, I see in every way you are very religious. Because he had been walking around the city and he'd seen all these temples and these idols. And he says, I see you're very religious. Now we read that and we don't read anything into it. But that is a total backhanded compliment. Because he doesn't believe that all those gods are a good thing. He doesn't believe that all this religion is a good thing. He's trying to find a way into this conversation without being too antagonistic. He's like, I I see you're very religious. Have you ever ever been in a situation where you had to stretch to find something good to say about something? You know, you invited over for dinner and... And uh, you get done with dinner and they've got that look of expectation that says, tell me what you thought of this food. And you're like, "Uh," you know, you're thinking it was terrible. It was the worst thing I've ever eaten in my life. I feel physically sick. But you can't say that. So what do you do in that situation? You say, wow, what an interesting combination of flavors. I've never tasted those things in that way before. Right? And they can walk away not feeling terrible. You can not walk away not feeling dishonest. Um, people get haircuts, and it just, they shouldn't have, right? And they're like, what do you think of my haircut? That haircut is just so you. It's just so you. Maybe they're wearing something that they should not be wearing. It doesn't flatter their body, doesn't flatter, it or whatever. And what do, you, they, what do you think? What do you say? Oh, man, I just, I just love how you don't care what people think. I just love it. You're so brave. So brave. And so Paul says, I, I see that in every way. You guys are so religious. Good job, guys. He's not being complimentary. He's being, he's being a little patronizing. But he's trying to build camaraderie. No need to antagonize the audience just yet. This is, this is, a, this is a way in. And he says... In fact, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription To an unknown God. You guys are so religious, you have a God you don't even know about that you worship just in case you left him off the list, right? To an unknown God. Now, this is what he says in verse 23, the first half of verse 23. So you are, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. This is genius, because he's dealing with a bunch of intellectuals that don't have any Old Testament background, and he's got to find a common ground and a common way in. It's beautiful. Verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And you'd have to admit that's a good point. Even if you were somebody who believed in all these gods, you'd be like, wait a second. God created everything and then we built a house for God? That doesn't make sense. God doesn't live in a house built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. This is verse 25. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So he's just introducing this concept everybody. Understand, God's bigger than your temples. He's bigger than your altars. He's trying to find a way into these people who have no common ground with him. But what he says in the next two verses, I think, are crucial for our way of understanding how God works in the world. Verse 26. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God is involved in human history. A a conspiracy of global proportions. Verse 27. God did this so that... That, that people would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and maybe find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Now this is so interesting. God planned everything. He's behind the scenes. It's this 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 huge global network, international borders, historic events, intrigue, power, and He's behind this in order to draw people to Himself. That's pretty exciting that's pretty cool. I bet you when you read your history book in fifth grade, you weren't thinking about like God has his hand in human history for this singular purpose. That's pretty cool. Now, the idea of a good conspiracy is fun, and I'm not talking about like the JFK, did we land on the moon kind of conspiracy. I'm talking about like, I know not everyone loves surprises or surprise parties. I love that kind of stuff. I love being involved in that because it's so fun, you know, to like create this, this narrative that isn't quite right, and you got to get this person out of the house, and you got to bring them back at just the right time, and, and you're just like excited for them, you know what I mean? They're going to walk in the door, and everybody's going to yell surprise, and they're going to be so excited and happy. It doesn't always work out like that, but that's kind of like the thing. Now, kids are not very good at keeping those kinds of secrets, I remember when my son Liam was younger, I think Corrine had gone out and got a gift from the kids for Father's Day. It was like one of those cool new Apple TVs at the time. And Liam comes busting into the house. Of course, Corrine had had a speech with him in the car like, do not tell your father what we got you. Do not bring it up. Do not say anything. So Liam comes busting into the house. He's just so excited, you know, like ready to explode. And he's like, dad, I cannot tell you what we got. I cannot tell you what we got. Do not even make me try to tell you that we got you an Apple TV. I will not tell you. I will not tell you. I can't tell you. He just can't help himself. He's so excited, right? God is behind this vast conspiracy of grace. And it's this, this conspiracy to bring people to himself. Since the beginning of time, hundreds of thousands of people, big worldwide events, tiny little details, and it's, it's all to bring grace to the world. Isn't that cool? That's cool. Now, maybe this is still too, a little, too abstract for you. I want to tell you a, a story as we wrap up about my grandfather. His name is Theodore. I have a picture of him here when they were younger. And that's not a double exposure. One of those is my mom and one of those is her twin sister down there. But that's my grandpa Theodore. Um, and he was a cool guy. He was a renaissance guy. He was uh, very talented in a lot of ways. He could paint. Uh, he invented things. He worked on the space shuttle. Not the one that blew up, but he worked on the space shuttle that uh, you know, did some work and welding and things like that. A very very interesting guy. Now, back in 1950, there was a young man in his late teens named Lloyd. This is not my grandfather. And he worked at a department store called Meyer & Frank out in Oregon. And they got paid every Friday. And they would wait in line to get their paycheck. And you could actually cash it right there to to get money. And so the employees' store closes. The employees are in line to get their paycheck. Lloyd is, you know, late, late teens, early 20s. He's standing in line. He gets his envelope from the clerk, and he opens it up. There's his paycheck, but also inside that envelope is a ticket to a work roller skating party the following Wednesday. Work roller skating party. Real exciting, right? Probably wouldn't go over so well now. And Lloyd is a churchgoer. He's all in. He's Wednesday nights, everything. So he doesn't even think about it. He takes the ticket, and he thinks, well, somebody else can use this because I'm going to be at church. So he turns to the guy behind him, and he says, hey, do you want this ticket uh, I, can't, I can't use it. Now, the guy behind him was my grandfather. And my grandfather, for whatever reason, because there was an international, vast international conspiracy to this moment, to bring him to this moment, my grandfather's interest was more piqued by why he was skipping the roller skating party than going to it. And he says, wait a second, you go to church on Wednesday night. My grandfather didn't go to church. None of his family went to church. None of his family was involved in church in any way, shape, or form. This is all new, all different to him. But God had to have been working behind the scenes because I don't think people just hear about a Wednesday night church service and say, I want to go to that. And well, so tell me about this Wednesday night church service. And Lloyd said, well, I can bring you. He still lived at home with his parents, so he talked his parents into picking my grandfather up for church the next Sunday. He heard a preacher by the name of Archie Word preach, gave his life to Christ, was baptized, you know, into story, right? Into of story. Except... There's a couple things when you think about this. This is my grandfather. This is not my story in particular. But I want you to think about things. Lloyd, this young kid, he only played a part. He only played a role. He, d- he didn't do everything. He didn't have some crazy deep conversation, although that would be, have been fantastic. He didn't have all the right answers. He stood in front of my grandfather in line, and he had a normal human interaction with him. And because God was working on my grandfather, this was more than just a normal passing interaction. There was something of importance going on in this moment. Lloyd simply pointed Ted in the right direction. Now, my grandfather has passed away a few years back, but Lloyd is still alive, and I reached out to him this week to make sure I had all the details of the story right. Lloyd was just a little part of the conspiracy that brought my grandfather to faith. God had already been working on him. But I want you to understand something about that moment and the way that that moment has affected the lives of dozens of other people. So Ted, my grandfather, became a Christian. Ted's sister and mother became Christians. Ted's best friend became a Christian and a longtime preacher in the Church of Christ. Ted's children became Christians. Ted's grandchildren became Christians. Ted had children and grandchildren who worked on the mission field. Ted has two grandchildren that are preaching. Ted has dozens of great grandchildren who are being raised in the church. You could arguably say that I am standing here right now telling you this story because some guy named Lloyd did not go roller skating 67 years ago. That's pretty cool. Now, that's just one tiny little story. You have stories. Your parents have stories. Your grandparents have stories. And here's the important part. You will have stories to tell. Lloyd is so proud of having had this interaction with my grandfather. I reached out to him. And he immediately responded and said, let me tell you the story. He's so proud. You have stories yet to tell. You have interactions that you are yet to have that are going to have that sort of ripple effect if you believe that God... God is involved in a grand international conspiracy in order to bring people to himself. And if you believe that you are going to play a part in that. If you believe that, you have a role to play. Man, that gets me excited for the possibilities. Now, I totally get God could have used different means, different people to achieve the same results in my grandfather's life and my life and my parents' lives. But listen, I want to play a part I want to play a part. I want to be a part of that story. Sure, God could maybe do different things. I want to be a part of that story. That's awesome. That's cool. Listen, we, you and I, are somebody's Lloyd. We are somebody's Lloyd. We are someone that is going to have a normal interaction, and we're just going to take a moment, and we're going to point them in the right direction. And that is going to be a turning point in their lives. And so God has asked us to play this part in his conspiracy to bring people to himself. And this is what we need to understand. Success isn't as much about how effective we are. Now, it is important to, to, to not just be a terrible person Not do terrible things. The way you talk to people matters. The way you engage the world matters. The Bible talks about that quite a bit. And we're going to be talking about that in the next uh, few weeks. But success isn't as much about how effective we are. But about how faithful we are to what God is already doing. Do you understand the reason we have fear and anxiety and confusion about trying to talk to people about Christ. Is because we think it's all about us. And it's not. It's not. God is just trying to use us to play a small part into bringing someone else to Christ. It's not all about us. The weight of that moment is not all on us because God is doing his thing. God is working. Success is about how faithful we are. So here's the truth. God absolutely will put people in our lives who are ready to hear about Jesus. You don't have to stand on a street corner and shout into a bullhorn. You don't have to do that. God will put people into your lives. If he is involved in this conspiracy, he will put people in your lives. You don't have to corner people and make them feel weird and trapped and confused. God will put people into your lives to hear about Jesus. That's exciting. That's exciting. Who is it? Who's that name? Who's that person? Who's that coworker? Who's that relative? Who's that stranger in line behind you that you're going to have a conversation with that will change the course of their lives? Because God is using them. God is leading. God is guiding. God is doing it. So this is our challenge, is let's get involved in that conspiracy. That's what God is asking from us. What I'm going to do is I'm going to close out with a word of prayer. If you have those papers, send them to the end of the row, put them on the ground, We'll we'll pick them up as services are over. But I'm going to say a prayer that God will lead us to those people that He is going to use us to point toward Christ. Let's pray. Father heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for uh, for allowing us to gather here, Lord. And we know that there are so many stories in this room, not just of, of my story or my mother's story or my grandfather's story, but so many other stories of just, just interactions that felt like chance or even felt like coincidence, but we know that they weren't. We know that you were, you were marking appointed times in history and appointed boundaries in order to draw people to yourself, Lord. We know that people have to make a choice. They have to, their spirit has to be stirred up, but Lord, we want to play a part in that we want to see this church grow we want to have those problems of not having enough space not having enough parking needing to 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 build more and do more and grow more lord we want to have those problems because we believe that you are going to use us to make to develop disciples of this community of the people around us and we thank you for that opportunity in advance it's in jesus name we pray amen you are dismissed happy new year everybody